going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number eight of Trail Tales, a podcast where I, Kyle O'Grady, a through hiker and peak bagger, chat with other through hikers, peak baggers, ultra runners, you name it. Today we have kind of a different episode than um, most of the episodes I've put out so far. We chat with Baker Bocorny, who not only hiked the Appalachian Trail this past summer, which is where I met him, but he also hiked the Florida Trail and about half of the Arizona Trail in the same year. I don't even know how many miles that is. I don't, I don't even know. But he's a crazy dude, and we have a really cool chat today. I kind of wanted to focus this one on the Florida Trail just because the AT has been covered so extensively in my episodes so far, so that's kind of what we did. The Florida Trail isn't really super well known despite its, uh, its length, so... We kind of talked a little bit about what it is and some of Baker's experiences on his Florida Trail through hike. We did still talk a little bit about the Appalachian Trail in the episode, mainly on how Baker hiked the trail with his fiance Jessica. Hi Jessica when you hear this. I just think that adds a whole nother dynamic into a through hike. I can't imagine hiking over 2,000 miles with a significant other, so I had a lot of questions for him about that. And I think it was a pretty cool subject to cover. We're going to get into the episode in just a second, but first, I made a promise a few episodes ago to read every single five-star review that the show gets out loud at the beginning of the next episode, and I got another review on iTunes after last week's episode, so I am going to read it right now. So, Meg Does Adventure writes, Glad I checked it out. Takes the edge off my AT... Fear of missing out. Short and sweet, right to the point. Meg, thank you very much, whoever you are. If you too, Mr. or Mrs. Listener to this podcast, would like to hear my sexy, intimate voice read your own words out loud at the beginning of the next episode, that can happen. Go on iTunes, leave a five-star review, and I will read it. Or maybe you think my voice is not sexy, you think I have an ugly voice, or whatever, and you don't want me to read it, that's okay too. You can still go on iTunes and leave a five-star review. You don't have to leave any comments. I would really, really appreciate it. It helps rank the show higher so that more people get exposed to it. And I would really, 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 really appreciate it. Also, you should subscribe to the show on iTunes or whatever your podcast streaming platform is. That's right, smash that subscribe button. You know, just really go at that thing. Don't hold back. That way you'll be notified whenever I post a new episode every single Tuesday, except for in two weeks because that's Christmas, but every single Tuesday that's not a major holiday, I guess you could say. And I would also appreciate it if you told a friend, somebody who's into bad podcasts might appreciate this show. So tell a friend. It's a great way to grow my audience because I know you're just so concerned with me growing my audience. And another good way to help me grow my audience is to follow me on Instagram and or Twitter, that's right. Shoot me a DM on Twitter or Instagram for whatever reason. You know, go like some of my photos, go retweet some of my tweets, all that good stuff. You can also contact me on email, which nobody has done yet. It's kind of sad. My inbox is basically just advertisements and Twitter notifications. So send me an email. I threw it out there last week, but no one took me up on it. Send me a picture of your dog or even better yet, Send me an email with a picture of your dog hiking. And if I think it's cute enough, if your dog's not ugly, and it's a good photo, I would be more than happy to post it on my Instagram. Okay, I think that's enough rambling. Let's get into the episode. Episode number eight with Baker Bocorny. Florida Trail, Appalachian Trail, and Arizona Trail, class of 2018. Alright, here we go. Baker Bocorny is my guest today, episode number 8. Baker is, first of all, he's a fucking animal, and we're going to get into why that is in just a second, about how he spent most of 2018 on the trail, not just the AT, but a bunch of other trails as well. But first, Baker, what's going on, man? How are you doing? We haven't really chatted at all since we both finished the Appalachian Trail back at the beginning of October, so uh, what's good, man? What have you been? What, yeah. 
what have you been up to? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, I've just been, uh, you know, I, well, after the AT, I went to the Arizona trail, hiked there for about a month, but, um, now I'm kind of back in the real world doing the job search thing and all that stuff. But yeah, I've been, I've been loving listening to your, your podcast. It's, uh, listening to the, the episode with you and Indy and then you and philosophy, it was kind of like being back in Maine and just listening to you guys talk. So I, uh, it's, it's funny when you were at the end of the AT, you were like, Oh yeah, I'm going to make a podcast and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I doubt that's ever going to happen. Cause I mean, it's, <laughs> it's probably a lot of work to like get a podcast started, but then I saw on Instagram, you had, you'd actually made some episodes and I was like, no way. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm, I've been enjoying the podcast as a fan. So it's cool to be, uh, be on it as well. I really appreciate that. That's a smart way to start out, you know, kind of stroke the host's ego a little bit, get him feeling <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. good. <laughs> But no, for real, man, I really appreciate you, first of all, uh, saying the kind words there, and then, of course, taking the time to come on here and talk to me for an hour. That's not an easy thing to do sometimes, so I really appreciate it. So most people listening to this probably don't know who you are and what you've done yet. I just want to say I referred to you as an animal when we first started this recording here because, okay, so I I, like, I don't even know how to phrase this. Baker, otherwise known known as cornbread. Jesus Christ. I've only had two beers. I'm not even that drunk yet. Um, <laughs> Baker hiked not only the Appalachian Trail this past summer, the summer of 2018, before he started out on the Appalachian Trail, he hiked almost spare 30 miles is what you told me, almost the entire yep. Florida Trail, which is, I don't even know how, I know it's over a thousand. How many miles is the Florida Trail? It's just over 1100 if you do uh there's more miles, but if you go from the north end to the south end, taking just a single route, it's just over 1,100 miles. Okay, cool. So he hiked the Florida Trail, then he set out and he did the Appalachian Trail, which is how we met. We met in uh, Gorham, New Hampshire, you know, right towards the end of our through hikes. And we hiked together yep. pretty much, you know, kind of on and off throughout the, uh, the rest of the trail all the way up through uh, Maine. And then not only did he do that, but he decided to set out to Arizona after he finished the Appalachian Trail, like pretty much immediately after, from my understanding, and um, attempts to do the entire Arizona Trail as well, which is like 500 and something miles, correct? It's just under just under 800, but I got to mile... Incorrect. Yeah, that's okay. I got to mile 480 when my body said, okay, you're done, you need to go home. So I got I got a little over halfway... I had like a little less than a month out there, but um, it was it was an awesome experience. Yeah, so we've definitely got a lot of stuff to talk about. Now, I've done almost every single episode so far on the Appalachian Trail, you know, talking to people that I either hiked with on the AT or other people that have done the AT. And because of that, I'm we'll definitely talk about the AT a little bit because, I mean, that's just how we know each other because of that. But I do kind of want to primarily focus on your Florida Trail through hike for this episode. I definitely have a lot of questions about the Arizona Trail as well, but I know you had mentioned that one of your friends you had hiked the trail with was willing to come on the podcast, so I kind of want to save some of that stuff for his potential future episode that we'll uh, get around to doing at some point, hopefully. Yeah, sounds good. All right, man. So the way I like to start pretty much all these episodes off is to kind of get a feel for your hiking background. So normally I'll ask people how they learned about the Appalachian Trail, but I don't want to just limit it to that because we're, you know, we're covering other trails today. So I want to know, when did you first learn about this crazy long distance backpacking thing? And what made you decide that you wanted to kind of give it a shot? Yeah, so I've always been really into the outdoors uh, my whole life. My parents were are really into it. And so they a lot of our vacations when we were when I was a kid growing up, they always they always take my brother and I camping and stuff like that. And um, after I finished college, I kind of I had been doing some car camping, but I really wanted to do um, more something a little more immersive in the outdoors. And so I was like, uh, you know, backpacking was kind of the next natural step. You know, taking your stuff, taking everything you need on your back, going out into the woods and surviving out there. And so um, I I kept getting into I. I kind of spent a couple of years um, where pretty much all my vacations were like backpacking trips. So um, I did a few hikes uh, around Florida, which is where I'm from. It's where I, it's where I live. Um, and then I did, uh, uh, let's see, five days in the Smokies. Um, that was the summer before the AT. That was at the week. 
that that solar eclipse was happening, which was really cool. And that's, there was like a total eclipse happening in that corner of the park. So that was actually my first time on the AT. It was just like a, I think we hiked only like just two miles on the AT to get to a shelter there. But we did a big loop kind of down the southern part of the park. And then we did five days in Red River Gorge in Kentucky in November um, just to kind of get some cold weather experience. So I probably only had maybe, I don't know, two, not even two weeks of time that I'd spent backpacking before I started through hiking. But I kind of, you know, the more I got into backpacking, the more I, uh, I remember, I remember getting to the car at the end of that Smokies, those five days, at the end of that trip I did in the Smokies. And I just remember feeling so like, so bummed out. Um, wanted to keep going. Yeah. Like in my mind, I was just like, I want to just open the trunk of the car, grab another five days of food and like go back out there. And so uh, it was kind of at that point, you know, I was, that was kind of the big test. I was like, can I handle five days out there? And I was like, at that point I was like, this is, this is it. Like I, I want to do this for, you know, several months now. I want to take this to the next level. And so that was really when I started researching long distance hiking and what trails I could do. And I looked at, I mean, I spent a couple of years uh, finding, you know, researching everything and finding the right time to do it, which ended up being 2018 when, uh, when my fiance, uh, little bear or Jessica was when she was graduating. And so we were kind of waiting for her to graduate school. And then after it would be the time that we would, uh, hit the trail and get started. So that was kind of how I, I got started into it. And, and I had been drawn to long distance hiking, um, because, you know, I wanted to keep pushing myself and go further and further, but I also thought that it would just be cool to really get out of my comfort zone for a long time. Uh, when I had just finished school in 2015, I was lucky enough to be able to um, go on a trip to China for five weeks. And so that experience was really crazy because I just had never been away from home for even five weeks at a time. And so being in a, in a, in a totally unfamiliar place for that long, for a period of time like that was really, it made a big impact on me. And I kind of have been thinking in my mind, I really wanted an opportunity to do that again. And then I got into long distance backpacking at the same time. And I kind of saw this really interesting, you know, joining of like being outdoors, a really big challenge, you know, physically, mentally. And then um, it's travel, you know, it, I think a lot of people don't always think of it that way. But I, I do think of it as like a form of travel. You're going to new places all the time. You know, it's not the, in the traditional sense of like going on a train and staying in hotels and eating the local cuisine, because that's not necessarily what you get on a through hike, but, uh, it is travel. You're seeing new things every day. You're being, going to unfamiliar places. You're meeting new people. You're getting to experience the local, uh, culture and stuff. And so it was kind of a nice combination of all those things. And it really looked like a, it's also it really, frankly, it's an inexpensive way to spend, um, to spend six months or eight months not working. You know, I mean, it really doesn't, I mean, it can't, you can't really be less expensive than like being literally being homeless and living in a tent. So it was kind of a nice, way to combine a bunch of things that I was really interested in doing uh, at that time. For sure. So now that we've kind of got a feel for how you got into the whole crazy long distance backpacking thing, I kind of want to know at the start of 2018, were you planning on doing all three of these long distance hikes, right? You know, kind of back to back, or were you originally just planning on doing the AT or the Florida trail and the AT? I guess I kind of want to know, like, Going into 2018, were you anticipating hiking for most of the year? Or after you did the AT, you kind of just wanted to tack on that third hike just for uh, shits and gigs, I guess? Yeah. So at the beginning of 2018, I definitely had decided I was going to do the Florida Trail. Um, but the Arizona Trail was definitely a kind of a spur of the moment thing. Um, it was just more of like I had a... so. I did it with one of my friends who was actually a coworker. We worked at the same place up until we both quit within about a month of each other to go hike the AT. So <laughs> our, 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 uh, yeah, our former employer was a little shocked at that. Uh, they were kind of like, why, you know, they're surprised when I quit. And then a few weeks later he quit. I think they were just kind of like, this is oh, ridiculous. Who's but next? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but either way, um, so yeah, so we, we'd been friends. We worked for, you know, worked with each other for a few years. We're really good friends. We talked all the time about backpacking and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, so he finished, he started the AT like a week before us and he finished like a month before us. So he really did it. He did it like in four months flat really fast. And so, um, little bear and I never caught up to him and, uh, we had been talking about how we really wanted to meet up with him on the trail, but we never did. We never got a chance to, because again, he was just was way too fast and we were, we were way too slow in the beginning. And so when he finished, uh, the trail, he told me he was going to go hike the Arizona trail. And I was like, wow, it's so cool. And I just thought about that all the time. And so eventually, um, I was like, 
thinking, wow, what if I could just go out there with him? Like, how cool would that be? And, uh, and then I was like, no, that's a, that's a crazy idea. Like, I'm, there's no way I can continue hiking. And then I just thought about more and more. And I was like, why not? Like, I should do it. And so I just kind of texted him one day. I was like, hey, do you need a hiking buddy for Arizona? And he said, yeah, that would be awesome. So then that was kind of why I went out there. I wouldn't have done it. Um, I don't think I would have gone to Arizona otherwise. You know, it was mostly because he was out there. Right, right. Yeah. But then the Florida Trail was also like I had been only planning to do the, the only had been planning to do the Appalachian Trail in 2018. But I ended up kind of around the New Year's, like maybe around Christmas time of December, like December 2017. I was basically just waiting for Little Bear to graduate school in May so that we could start the AT. And I really was just I was dying to get out there and start adventuring, start doing something cool. And so, you know, I, I had enough money saved up. I had most of my gear bought because I had been planning for the AT for a couple of years already. So I'd done tons of research on that. And, um, you know, growing up in Florida, I obviously have a fondness for it. I kind of imagine that like hiking the Florida trail is something kind of like similar to you hiking the long trail. You know, it's like a, it's your home, it's your home turf, you know, and I've definitely, I hiked in the Florida trail several times in the years prior to it, just to kind of as like training, you know, like short training hikes and stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, the kind of around the New Year's, I just was like, I should just, what if I just quit a little earlier? And what if I tack that hike on there too? And I was like, how cool to be to hike for, you know, eight months or seven months instead of five, whatever it was. I just kind of thought it'd be cool to just, you know, make this trip as long as possible. So, yeah, that one was kind of like within a span of a month, I went from deciding to hike just the AT to the Florida Trail first and then doing the AT. So it was kind of a, they were both kind of a, little like last minute spur of the moment type things, especially compared to like the, the Appalachian show, which I spent like literally two years researching it as much as possible before that, just obsessing over trying to learn as much as I could. So, um, but in the end they both worked out. It was a, it was kind of a, a nice lesson on like, sometimes it's good to, you don't always have to have everything planned out. It's sometimes good to just go for it and give it a shot. Hell yeah, man. I just think that's so crazy. Like I was like nervous enough going into the Appalachian trail. Like I can't imagine just like Tacking, oh yeah, I'll just do an extra like eleven hundred miles, like no big deal, just just kind of a warm up, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's just so crazy, dude. Yeah, I kind of just got in the the mindset of like, well, I'm just gonna go for something big, and so I was like, you know, it, the worst case scenario is I just quit early and then I just rest until May and then hop on the AT. Right, right. Same with Arizona. I was like, the Grand Canyon is one of the fir- going uh, southbound. The Grand Canyon is one of the first sections you go through, and so I was like, if I could just go, if I can last five days out there then I'll get to the Grand Canyon and that five days will probably be amazing in and of itself. You know, I ended up be doing almost like a month. So that was cool. But I mean, yeah, I was just kind of learning to just take, you know, take that risk and it's not that big a deal. Just kind of go for it and see what happens. So I kind of want to get into some of the details about the Florida trail. So I apologize for anybody listening to this. If there's anybody out there in the 60 people that will download this episode that know what the Florida <laughs> Trail is, <laughs> but um, we're going to kind of go over like some of the very basic things about the Florida Trail because I'm like kind of familiar with it. You know, I know of it. I know like a little bit about it, but I really don't know that much about it, especially compared to the AT. So, you know, rather than, I guess, kind of talking more about like your Florida Trail hike uh, which we're going to do in just a minute, but I kind of want to start by just getting some information on what exactly the Florida Trail is. And that's actually my first question looking at my handy dandy notes here. It says Florida Trail and then it has a little semicolon and it says, what is it? So why don't you just kind of <laughs> go ahead and and uh, just kind of give an overview of like what the trail is, like where it starts, where it ends, and uh, just some of the general information about the Florida Trail. Yeah, so it's uh, the trail. I think there are technically around 1,300 miles that are maintained by the Florida Trail Association. But like I mentioned earlier, to do a hike from the northern terminus to the southern terminus, you only need to do about 1,100. Uh, the reason for that is there are two sections where the trail actually diverges, and you can kind of choose your own way to go around certain parts. Uh, so the southern terminus begins down in Big Cypress National Preserve, which is in the right in the middle of the Everglades. Um, and it's a uh, it's, it's it's in the swamp. So it's right in the middle of the swamp. And then the northern terminus is on a beach uh, right near Pensacola Beach. Um, and that's at Fort Pickens uh, State Park. So it's kind of an old fort there. Uh, so it's a it's a, you spend kind of the last uh, I'm not sure, 30 miles, maybe more. Um, the last kind of two, two to three days of your hike walking on a white sand beach on the Gulf of Mexico. Um, if you're going northbound, that is. Um, and so then kind of going through 
actually, I should also say there's also a second sort of northern terminus of the forest trail, um, which is the it's called the Blackwater section. And actually, instead of going further west over to the uh, towards the beach, it actually goes north to the border of Alabama. Um, and that trail actually that is built basically specifically for people who are connecting the Florida Trail to some of the trails north of it in Alabama. So, for example, if you're doing like the Eastern Continental Trail, which is where you would hike from kind of like Key West all the way north up to Canada, mm-hmm. um, the, that's kind of the route that people who are taking that, doing the whole Eastern Continental Trail, and they're continuing on past the Florida Trail, or they're coming south from like the AT and the Pinhoti Trail and stuff, and they're connecting to the Florida Trail, that's the section that they would take. Um, okay. And so, uh, so yeah, the, I hiked it from almost the very southern terminus. I didn't get to do the first 30 miles because they were closed due to, um, it was like a, a controlled burn going on at the time, like the date I started, unfortunately. Those first 30 miles are kind of like the one of the most iconic sections of the trail. It's, um, it's incredibly remote. You're going through, most of it is actually not like walking through water, but the northernmost like eight miles or so are like going through, walking through um, an actual swampy kind of water area. The water level depends on like the time of year and the rainfall and stuff. But um, I didn't get to do that part, and I'm, that's definitely my bucket list to do because I feel like I can't say I really hiked the whole trail without doing that because it's definitely considered one of the gnarliest sections of the trail, but also one of the most unique uh, and beautiful sections. But I started so about 30 miles in, and then I hiked all the way to the northern terminus um, at Pensacola Beach. And then uh, I, as you go, there are two sections where the trail splits, and you can go either way around certain um, certain features. And so the first one is Lake Okeechobee, which is that – for people who aren't familiar with the geography of Florida, it's that giant lake right kind of in the southern central part of the state. If you ever look at a map, it's very obvious. So uh, the trail actually splits there, and you can go either way around it. Um, I chose to take the uh, the western side of that. And then the trail uh, heads north towards Orlando, and it splits again. And so again, it goes east or west, um, and I chose to go on the eastern side of that. And so that's a, that section is interesting because you're basically road walking. I, w- I wouldn't say that's actually not road walk. Um, you're kind of doing an urban hike through the Orlando metro area. It doesn't go like right through downtown downtown Orlando. I know it's kind of strange. I wasn't That's crazy. honestly, yeah, honestly, um, when I was going towards it, I was I was really I really wasn't sure what to expect. I kind of wasn't looking forward to it, but it ended up being kind of cool. So it, it doesn't just put you like through the middle of downtown Orlando or like walking on some big busy road. You walk through. It's mostly like multi-use um, kind of like rail trails or okay, bike okay. paths and walking paths. It's really nice, actually. I actually kind of enjoyed that section. And it's nice because you can stop and I mean, that was the first, like, like food I had seen, like, in, I think, two weeks or a week and a half at that point. Because uh, it comes out of a section, there's, there's basically no resupply, or there's very sparse resupply. So, like, that first McDonald's I hit, like, that was just a, a total feast. I ate, like, two rounds of breakfast there, and I think I probably frightened the uh, the people working there. But <laughs> it was just because it was, it was great to get there. But, um, yeah, so it splits again there just a straight north-south uh, type of, uh, well, it goes north all the way up until kind of near the Tallahassee area. And then you would continue to the, it actually turns and goes east-west at that point. Okay. Um, and so it continues west all the way over to the beach. And you actually cross into another time zone by the time you get to the western yeah, part. Yeah, really? Of, uh, yeah, so you cross into the central time zone. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. There's not that many hiking, long-distance hiking trails that go east-west. So it's kind of cool to do the east-west thing for, for a little while there. Yeah, for sure. So kind of while we're on the subject of like the multiple routes you can take uh, on the Florida Trail, I guess I kind of want to ask, this just kind of popped into my head while you were talking about it, out of those like splits, I think you said there's two different sections where you can go, you know, either direction A or direction B, um, on those parts, is there like a more popular direction that people go or like what are some of the reasons that you like chose the specific, um, uh, routes that you, uh, you took. Yeah, definitely. So the, I think the routes I chose were probably, I think they're, they seem to be the most commonly taken routes. Um, so the, the big reasons would be, so around Okeechobee, if you go to the east side, um, that's more, it's going to go more through an urban area. And so it's, it's more like developed and there's, it's less, um, less of a, it's less like trail you're going through, you're going to do more road walking through there. Um, and you're, or you're going to go like closer to town. So if you need like more resupply, like I, I know a guy who went that way and he did it because he mailed something to that side because there was a post okay. office right near the trail. Uh, but um, otherwise you get a little more, um, yeah, it's a, it's a little less uh, urban if you go on the uh, uh, the west side. And so, yeah, I took the west side there. And then with Orlando, 
if you go to the to the west side there, which is the route that I took. Sorry, the east. I took the east side. Excuse me. I was I'm getting this so mixed up. I'm trying to like make this formless in my with my hands here to like keep my east and west straight. But <laughs> you're the, good, man. You're good. So I took yeah. I took the east side. The east side. Um, if you, I guess the re, the main reasons you wouldn't you wouldn't take the west side. The west side, if you're going northbound, starts with a, like a 70 mile road walk. I think I might be sure. So yeah, it's a really really 70 long road miles walk. miles of pavement. Fuck that. Yeah. Uh, so and then the other issue if you're going that direction when you reconnect when the when the east and west route rejoin at the north of orlando you end up missing part of um ocala national forest which is what considered one of generally one of the best sections of the trail i can definitely agree with that so if you take the um the east route you end up hitting more of ocala national forest which is a, a beautiful section so if you go the other way you're going to miss some of that so those are kind of the main reasons why people end up taking those those two different directions but you certainly can do either i've met people who did both I met someone who did the whole Florida trail and then they went back and they went and did the opposite sides of those sections just because to say that they had done like all of it. So, um, and they said both were really cool. So talk about being a purist. Holy shit. Yeah. Damn. So, um, one thing, another thing that just popped into my head, I'm just kind of winging it here. So like I said, I'm not super familiar with the Florida trail, but through my research, I am aware that there's like a decent amount of road walking. So I shouldn't say there's a decent amount compared to the AT and other, you know, established long distance hiking trails. You know, there's, there's definitely a bit of road walking there. So like how many, or you probably don't know the exact number, but like roughly how many like miles of uh, road walking would you say you did on your Florida trail through hike? Yeah. So I think the number when I started was, I think it's something around 300 miles of the 1100 or maybe of the 1300 total are, are road walks. Uh, but that, I know that number has definitely gone down because even the year that I did it, um, there was a brand new section that opened up that cut off like eight miles or something. And then, um, I know I've been following the floor trail and they've been cutting out sections. They're cutting out even one of the biggest sections, like a 30 mile section that, oh, nice. um, that I, that I had to do last year. Um, they, this next coming year is going to be cut out. So, um, that's I would say the road walks are the only thing I really didn't like about the Florida Trail. Otherwise, it was an awesome it was an awesome trail. Uh, most of the road walks or a good good portion of them are going to be on roads that are like very um, low traffic. They might they're often going to be dirt roads or like really remote country roads. So it's not like you're always hopping on the side of a huge interstate or something like that. Right, right. Um, and but there are definitely sections where you do have your only option is to basically walk. Um, kind of like next to they don't even have shoulders sometimes it's just right there like in the overgrown oh, bushes on the side of the road and there's big semis whizzing by so i would say those sections were definitely the parts that i i enjoyed the least i mean there's good things about road walks like for one um you're definitely going to get to go a lot faster through there like you don't you know you can just you can really cruise on pavement um generally when you get on a road walk too you probably can run by a gas station and you can get food or at least a gas station, maybe even a town. In some cases you do actually walk through um, a, one town as well, like kind of like AT style road walk through the middle of the town. Like it's pretty cool. And so, yeah, so there's definitely some, that, that I would say, honestly, that's the only real downside to the floor trail, but it really, it's not as bad as it sounds. Actually, there's a guy who's hiking it right now. He's carrying a skateboard with him and oh, he's, yeah. he's skateboarding the uh the road set the roadwalk section it's it's really cool he posts all these videos of it on instagram where he's like doing tricks and stuff like in these kind of like these culverts on the side of the road it's it's really cool i've been i really been enjoying um his hike there but uh yeah so it's um yeah that's honestly that's the only downside i would say of the roadwalk but it really is not as bad as it seems yeah that's i i can't i can't really like imagine like spending that much time on a road i guess we didn't really yeah. get into like exactly how much time it is but i don't know like i'm not a huge fan of pavement honestly unless i'm driving uh -huh. on it then then i can fuck with pavement but <laughs> yeah normally walking or running for that matter on pavement not crazy about it so i'm not sure how i, I would do on that but i guess it sounds like most of them most of the roadwalks that is are on like the dirt roads so that actually i feel like is not as bad because i know in my experience on the at and other trails you know sometimes it's actually like kind of nice like i would i would welcome you know a, a couple miles here and there on a dirt road because like you said you can kind of just cruise oh, and yeah i don't have to worry about stepping on a rock or tripping or stepping on a fucking snake or something like that so i guess yeah. i guess in the swamps of florida you probably still have to worry about that even on the roads but i don't know 
yeah that's a that would definitely add a pretty interesting uh, dynamic into the hike so um i guess i i probably should ask you this right at the beginning of the conversation but like how long did the uh, florida trail take you like what was your start and end dates uh so i think it took me 56 days of hiking and i had well no i was hiking for 51 days but i think it took like six zero days in there so it was like 56 days total to do the whole thing and i did it in um i did it in march and april which is pretty late in the season most people um if you're going northbound you're gonna start probably right around new year's right around january oh really um, yeah so i definitely did it late and so i definitely had warmer weather and i had some more bugs and probably more rain um, but even then it really was like, it was quite nice. I did avoid some freezing nights too. So like if you start in January and February, like just cause it's Florida, it doesn't mean it's gonna be warm. It's actually, you can definitely get, um, you're definitely gonna have to bring cold gear. I mean, it's, it can easily get below freezing, especially in the central to Northern part of the, uh, you know, of the state. So, uh, it's, you do have to deal with cold weather as well, but then it, it'll probably warm up and during the day. It'll be, it'll be beautiful if it's not raining, which it, it usually actually doesn't rain very much, um, in the, in the winter in Florida. Which is a really nice thing. I mean, I, I got rained on way less on the floor trail than I did on the AT, that's for sure. So I kind of want to know, I'm not from Florida, obviously. I've been to Florida a couple times on vacation. Like 95% of Americans probably have at some point. Yeah. But um, I I really don't know that much about Florida weather other than that it's like really fucking hot. So you said you went in March to April, right? Yeah. So what were like the temperatures... Uh, while you were doing your hike, yeah. So the the March was was amazing weather for sure. I, I think it was actually some nights that were kind of cold and like it was good because it made me realize that like my sleeping bag was not warm enough, so I was able to upgrade it before starting the AT. But um, yeah. So the I mean the highs would be like maybe like 80 would be like a high. It's probably going to be like in the high 70s, high to mid 70s for like the high of the day. Um, very little rain. I think in March I probably got rained on like maybe once maybe twice there was one day where i had a thunderstorm that was hailing on me in march but that was like a a rare a rare occurrence exception um, but, not the rule yeah it was an exception but really like i i think in that in that month i probably got rained on maybe two two or three times um and it, it was like kind of a quick storm that passed through uh nothing like those like days and days of just like slogging through rain kind of right, deal on right. the AT. um april was a little rainier but still it was not it was really not that bad um it was maybe a few more days, maybe closer to like five days or something like that. But again, if you hike like January to February, um, you're going to get a lot less rain. It really doesn't. Um, the, this, the winter months in Florida are like much drier in terms of precipitation. Um, and then the lows can definitely, like I said, they can definitely be down in the fr- uh, freezing temperatures. I mean, some people get like in the 20s if you're really unlucky, especially up north. So if you're in the north part of, of Florida, you can definitely, you can even possibly get snow. It's not going to be like, you know, like you're stuck, like slot, you're not like post holing through it, but you could get some like frozen precipitate of some kind, maybe okay. some sleet or whatever. But yeah, it, you definitely have, do have to be prepared for, you know, temperatures in the twenties and the highs could probably hit, they could hit the nineties, uh, even in the winter, but it's pretty rare. May, I would say like eighties is probably a, a pretty reasonable high to expect, um, through the winter months. That's a pretty big, like temperature swing. Like that's yeah. a, that's pretty gnarly because, I mean, on the AT, at least during the summer, I mean, I, I guess it varies depending on what section of the trail you're on, but it's definitely not that much of a temperature swing. So that I guess that would be kind of annoying to just, like, have to pack all this, like, colder weather gear and yeah. then just still be, like, hot as hell during the day while you're hiking. Yeah, <laughs> you know, during the day you're like, oh, I don't, why do I need this sleeping bag? And then at night you're like, okay, I definitely, I definitely need it. <laughs> definitely yeah. need it, yeah. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it can be challenging to deal with a wide range of, of temperatures and conditions, but it's really not, um, it's not too bad. It's, it's totally doable. For sure. So looking back at my notes here, I have a little section where I wrote, underwater trail dot 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 and that's something that like i'm very curious about because in my research over the years kind of learning a little bit about the florida trail i remember seeing like pictures and and hearing people talk about sections of the trail that are like you know up to like your knees or even higher like i don't know in water and i know you briefly mentioned it when you were talking about that uh southern 30 mile section that you didn't uh get to do yeah. But um, I want to know, were there any other sections of the trail that you did where you were like wading through a swamp or wading through water? Yeah, so there are two actual swamps that the Florida Trail goes through. A lot of people think it's like all through swamps, which is totally not true. Um, there are only two actual swamps 
that you go through. The first one, like I mentioned, is in the first 30 miles down in Big Cypress National Preserve. The next one is up in the Panhandle in Apalachicola National Forest, and it's called the Bradwell Bay. It's actually a wilderness area, so you can't like take any motorized vehicles or anything in there. Um, and so, yeah, I had to go through a swamp in that part. And yeah, that was like three and a half miles of wading through oh, water. Some man. of it, yeah, some of it got up to like my waist uh, at times. And um, yeah, it, at the time I was like, why would they ever route a hiking trail through this? <laughs> like, that was kind of what I was thinking. Um, Pretty rational thought, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in hindsight, um, going through it, it actually was, it, it was absolutely one of the most unique hiking experiences I've had and possibly will ever have. You know, there's not that many trails that go through like swamps like that um, that sure. I'm aware of at least. Uh, and so, yeah, like it's, it sounds miserable, like the, you know, the way I'm describing it, but it's actually really not. So first of all, if you're going to do an AT hike, you're going to have a way worse time with weather than hiking through a swamp. The swamp, the day I went through, it was a beautiful day. It was sunny, nice temperatures. And once you get over the fact that you're just walking through water the whole time, it's actually really cool. Like uh, it, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's just such a, an interesting experience. Like it, it's a kind of environment that, uh, as humans, we basically try to avoid at all times for a good reason. But I think if you go through in kind of just short periods and get a short dose of it, it's actually really cool. And you get to see like types of trees. I mean, like cypress trees that were just like, I don't even know, hundreds of years old because this was a section that the swamp was so deep that they couldn't even like logging trucks and, and crews couldn't even get in there to cut them down. Wow. So these are like, yeah, this is like hundred year old cypress trees. Yeah. It's, it's really, really cool. And so, yeah, so that was a that was a, a really interesting section, and again, that's why I want to go back and do that first thirty miles because that's like eight miles of that, and um, it's eight definitely miles. Oh yeah, man. It, it's roughly it depends on how like how much water is in there at the time, but um, yeah, in Big Cypress, it's like eight miles of uh of going through swamp, so it, it's brutal. Like in, in hiking in a swamp, you can expect to go one mile one mile an hour at most. It's really exhausting. I mean, you you know, if you've ever had to like walk through water like at the edge of a lake or a, the ocean or something, like you know how, what it's like, and uh, it's yeah, it's totally exhausting. You're, I mean, I had trekking poles out like the whole time, like trying to keep myself from falling over. Because some of the, the hard part is like uh, in in this particular one in Bradwell Bay, the water is black water, so it's like tannic. So you oh, actually can't dude. really you no can't really way. see what you're stepping into. Um, oh in Big my Cypress, god, that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. How the f- oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it is it is pretty wild. So you can't really see what you're stepping on. So the bottom is is generally just totally mud it's like total muck so it kind of like stuck like gets your feet stuck in there or whatever but it's uh you know you have to just kind of fight your way through and i had a couple times where i almost totally fell over and like took a dunk into the into the swamp because i was just losing losing balance i was gonna say like i guess if it was below your waist most of the time you would have been fine but like one wrong step and then all your like gear is wet and yeah yeah it it is it is challenging too because the the cypress trees their roots kind of go everywhere and so you're constantly tripping over them or like you might step down and you your foot lands on one and you take another step and like your your other foot will land like maybe two and a half feet below where your other one was just because you missed a root and you went straight down through the mud so and you can't really see what's going on below you uh while you're doing it so it's like i said but again it's not like um it, it's a brief period. Obviously, if it was a thousand miles of that, I probably wouldn't have done the trail. But it's a brief period, um, and I, you know, at the time, it's just a, it's a huge challenge. So to me, it was and it was a new, unique environment. So I really enjoyed it. I would say it was, you know, it's not like you're going through days of it. Like I mean, if you've hiked through southern Vermont, then you can totally. It's like it's going to be way, way better than that because you're not like going through mud for like days and days and days on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the trail can obviously get mud. Like the forest trail can get wet in areas if it rains a lot uh but i mean that's true of like probably almost like a lot of hiking trails like yeah, the at certainly the at certainly will flood a lot if it gets really wet so um yeah it's definitely a misconception that it's all a swamp but there are those two areas that are actual swamp but i, I think at least the one that i got to experience was a really interesting section and uh, i really enjoyed it now i gotta ask people from florida are probably gonna like think i'm like such an idiot but like <laughs> Honestly, one of the things that would freak me out for sure is like walking through a swamp and like stepping on like a snake or like a crocodile or alligator. I don't even know what the yeah. difference between those two animals. Are. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I don't even know. Like, like did you see like any animals fucking like lurking around in the swamp there? Like that would just that would just freak me the hell out. Like I don't even know, dude. Yeah, I so I didn't see any when I went through Bradwell Bay. I, I definitely have heard of people who said going through um, Big Cypress that they've seen 
like cottonmouths. Um, oh, so, no. No, yeah, but, dude. <laughs> I, I know. Whose idea was it to put the trail through there? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy. But, I mean, it's. I don't think it's – it's not much worse than – I mean, you you encounter snakes like on the on the AT and stuff like that, you know, and it, like most animals out there, like like any like any wild animal that's not used to people is totally afraid of you. And so, you know, first of all, you're like making a ton of noise as you're going through water, and you're going really slow. So, you know, the biggest thing is like don't sneak up on an animal and then don't surprise it, you know, which is pretty much impossible to do as a as a two legged animal in a in a, in, in standing water. So. Uh, it's something that I really, it's just like any other risk of being outside. I don't think you're at any higher risk of being, you know, bitten by a snake in Florida than, than anywhere, anywhere else. But I would say, like, in terms of alligators and crocodiles, I don't think there's, there might be crocodiles in Florida, but I don't really think there are. Mostly it's alligators. Um, and alligators are, I could be wrong on that. I'm not a, like a, a biologist, but I'm Someone call them out. Yeah, I, I, I definitely need to get some hate on. mail. Being, I need to be corrected on that. But uh, <laughs> the, the alligators are like, totally afraid of people uh, you have to imagine an alligator is like low down to the ground and you're this big tall thing and so you look like you could you know do some damage to it which is obviously not really the case but they're they're very afraid of you i never had any bad experiences with alligators i did get totally scared by them a few times because um, when i startled them they would just take off running towards the nearest water source diving in there and making a huge splash and stuff and i have to say the as growing up in florida you obviously you're you're taught a lot to avoid you know, areas where you can get near alligators because alligators can run like 30 miles an hour on ground, which is, which oh, is really shit. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I never, I mean, I always was told that as a kid, but I never really seen it in person. And when I saw it the first time in the forward trail, it, it definitely scared the shit out of me. Like seeing this like several hundred pound like dinosaur running insanely fast across <laughs> the ground, luckily running away from me. But like the fact that I, I was like, wow, that thing can, can actually really move. If it really wanted to come after me, it could do some damage, but luckily, I mean, I really wouldn't worry about alligators. It's it's just like any other animal. Just try not to sneak up on it and just give them give them plenty of distance and like don't obviously don't feed them or like mess with them and it's you're it's not gonna be a problem. They're really it's really cool. It's like to see these like again, it's a totally unique probably part of the Florida Trail is oh yeah seeing alligators up close and they're right there and usually you get a good look, but they they dart off uh, way faster than you get a good look. It's probably a lot like a black bear on the AT. Most black bears are totally afraid of you. So right, right. Damn, that, that's just so crazy. I could probably, like, ask you questions for, like, an hour just about that, like, 11-mile section total of the trail that's underwater, but, like, that's that just blows my mind. Like, such a unique part of the Florida Trail, obviously, like, because you're yeah, not going to get that, at least to my knowledge, on any other long-distance trail, probably in the world, but what do I know? So I do kind of want to transition a little bit into some of the differences between the AT and the Florida Trail, since you uh, did them both back to back in the same year. But first, I guess the last like question, just real quick, I kind of want to ask you about the Florida trail specifically is just very general. Like what was your favorite section? I guess like what, if, if somebody listening to this in Florida wants to go out and do like a weekend or three, four day hike, whatever it is, like what section would you recommend they go do? Yeah. So some of my favorite sections, um, the Ocala national forest section, which I mentioned that I think that's about, 70 miles of no there's no breaks in the trail i think that might i'm not sure but i think that might be the longest section with no interruptions and no pavement um and it's a beautiful section it's not wet it's like kind of the least uh it's very it's very atypical for the floor trail it's it's very dry there are like lakes there's plenty of water sources but you're not going to be um the, the ground doesn't get very wet there it's like these beautiful pine forests and stuff like that um another Probably my favorite actual section, though, was the uh, Suwannee River section. So it's this huge river in the north part of Florida, and it's, it's a, I mean, it's really big. It's slow-moving kind of river. It's a tannic river, and it, I think it follows it, like, I'm not sure, maybe 50-something, 60-something miles. Um, I really, really like that section. You actually get to run into a lot of people who are paddling it. It's a pretty common thing to kayak oh, cool. and paddle. And so they have, like, they actually have, like, uh, kind of semi-permanent campsites. Like, there was actually a place where I got to like a campsite state that had like a shower and stuff like that, which oh, was really, nice. really, really cool because the floor trail is much more, it's not nearly as built up as like the Appalachian trail. So having like a shower out there and getting to meet like paddlers and stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah. The Suwannee river section is a definitely one of my favorite sections. Another really cool section is the Osea river section. And that's a river that actually, it kind of, um, it's really fascinating because as it goes through kind of this limestone, um, uh, you know, rock under the ground, it actually, comes above the surface of 
uh, of the land and underneath it kind of appears and disappears over several miles and so it's really cool to walk along it walk along there and it's kind of appearing and reappearing and disappearing as you follow it so that's a really cool section as well cool man yeah like i said uh just a second ago i kind of want to get into some of the differences or similarities i guess of the uh, florida trail compared to the appalachian trail so i'll ask you kind of just like a general like what were some of the differences question in just a second but first one of the things that i'm like most curious about as far as the differences go and this is something i believe we had talked about while we were on the at together i think i asked you about it there as well so like what were the differences between resupplies so on the at as i'm sure a lot of people listening to this know you know there's towns every three four days sometimes even more frequently than that so resupplying isn't really an issue so on the florida trail i guess i want to know what were the resupplies like and as far as like getting into town like how was that too like did you hitchhike like most people do to get into town on the appalachian trail or take a shuttle or were most of your resupplies kind of like right along the trail? Just kind of like uh, talk about the resupplies a little bit, um, the differences between the AT and the Florida Trail. Yeah, it's definitely a very different uh, situation from the AT. The Florida Trail, um, the resupplies, I would say in general, it's not as convenient. Um, the AT, the trail towns around there, the people who live there, um, they really, uh, they know the trail well. The, there's tons of services that cater to hikers. There's tons of people who seem like they've bought places right on the trail just to cater to hikers right, there, right. Um, on the AT that is. On the Florida Trail, it's, it's much different. It's not nearly as popular of a trail. So there are there are sections where there's not the, the resupply is not as regular. So you definitely will have to carry at least five days of food at times, sometimes longer. There's a section, I think, um, where you, I, I, I think it's something like 200 or 300 miles where the only place you can resupply in the middle is like an RV park and you can mail food there. Um, and so if you don't mail food there, then you're kind of in a spot of trouble because there's not, there's not like anywhere really around there. You can try to like, uh, you know, maybe go to a nearby town, but there's nothing like for like 40 miles around there. So there's a couple places where you really do want to actually mail food. Whereas the AT, you can totally get on and never mail a single box of food and you'd be fine. Right. right. Um, in terms of hitchhiking, I never hitchhiked. Um, I honestly don't know that it's, you probably could hitchhike in Florida, but I don't, it's not nearly as popular. It's, it's, it, there's no way it's going to be as easy as, um, you know, as the Appalachian Trail. The people, it, the, because it's just not as popular, people are just not really aware of what you're doing. You're going to get a lot more looks of like, you look just like a homeless person. They don't <laughs> yeah, know that you're a hiker. Just on the side of the road, yeah. Yeah, you really like, they, the, the locals, there are, now, there are definitely exceptions. There are people who recognize you. When you do get recognized, it's kind of like a, it's a really special moment. But it is rare that you will be able to, I never tried to hitchhike. I was fortunate because I was able to get friends and family who live in Florida to pick me up at some of the parts where it's trickier. But in general, I think what most people do is um, they mail boxes to places that are close to the trail and they'll usually walk off trail. Um, you know, I think you can do most of it without having to, you may have to walk like, you know, four miles one way. You may have to go around 10 miles round trip kind of thing for a few of the towns. And they're, they're probably going to be more spread out uh, than the, than the, than the AT, but it's totally doable. You're never going to be like, you know, you're never going to be carrying like two weeks of food or anything like that. It's definitely doable. Um, and it's kind of, I actually kind of like it because you're not constantly going back into town and like doing all that. You kind of get like these longer breaks, um, you know, going through and like really getting a much more immersive wilderness experience. I will say that in the northern part, I by the time I got to the maybe the middle or like the last kind of quarter of the trail, I got really good at resupplying at gas stations, which is a huge win because you can like that you can you maybe hit a gas station every day and day and a half so i was into i was kind of carrying like almost no food by the end once i was able to kind of do pretty big resupplies at the gas station and these are like gas stations that are like in the middle of nowhere so they really have like a full service like they usually have like restaurants in there and stuff like that right, right. um so if you can be flexible with what you're obviously depends on like what you eat but if you're able to be flexible and kind of um, really, you know, eat, eat whatever is kind of available. You can actually do really well, and uh, you can have parts where you only carry like a day and a half of food. Um, so that that's kind of nice too. But it's it's definitely more challenging. I would say if you're gonna hike the floor trail, definitely look closely at all of your resupply options, and you're probably gonna want to have all of them picked out ahead of time. Um, which is the AT, I would definitely not recommend that because there's so many options, and you're never gonna be able to predict it. With the floor trail, you really do have to kind of have it planned out a bit better. And like I said, there's probably at least two places I can think of where you really want to ha- probably want to send a box at a time and because you don't have to but you you're probably going to want to so 
Real quick here, I have so many questions. Like we're not gonna get to everything, unfortunately. I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, right sorry, now. I'm just blabbing on. Here. Oh no, 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 no! It's not your fault. I have like a whole page of, of stuff I wanted to ask you here. So, real quick, while we're still on the subject of the differences between the AT and the Florida Trail, I guess the other like uh, question I wanted to ask you about that was the differences, potential differences between the gear that you brought on each respective hike. So. I guess, was there anything that you brought on the AT that you didn't bring on the Florida Trail or vice versa? Uh, I would, Honestly, I think the gear is pretty similar. I think the probably the biggest things would be, um, I definitely carried more gear in the Florida Trail. I think that was more due to inexperience at the time. Like as I got more experience, I kind of ditched things. I also carried, I carried like two battery packs, like paper maps, um, like a paper data book on the Florida Trail because I was, that was like my first big long hike so i really didn't know what i was doing you don't need you definitely don't need those things there's a gut hooks app for it if you're comfortable using an app so you can get away with that the probably the biggest difference you really would want to have is um you know colder gear for the for the uh you know because in the beginning of like the middle part of the at you probably don't need the colder gear so you're gonna want colder gear and then sun protection um so i i, yeah. I wore like a big straw hat like a big um cover it covered me a lot it looked really goofy but i, I thought it was cool but i totally <laughs> i didn't even bring sunglasses i brought like a like a mesh hat or like a snapback hat on the on the uh air the uh, at but i didn't bring the like, didn't even bring sunglasses so i brought like sunscreen and sunglasses and a big hat on the um on the floor trail if i did it again i would probably bring sun gloves too um some people bring like those um chrome reflective umbrellas there are some longer bigger sunnier sections um on the floor trail which you really have almost none of those on the on the at so that's probably the biggest gear wise difference otherwise it's fairly similar conditions um i would say yeah, I don't know if my Vermont like pale fucking cold weather <laughs> skin could could handle all that heat or all that sun rather in a uh, in yeah. Florida. That'd be interesting. I gotta say, like, there's not very many trails that I like just write off before I really learn that much about them. But I honestly don't know if I could do the Florida Trail. Like, I mean, it <laughs> makes sense for you because like you you grew up in Florida. You're from Florida. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry to anyone that's listening to this from Florida, but. Dude, I, I just don't know if I could do it, man. I don't know if I could deal with the. Uh, I sound like such a bitch, but I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know if I could do it. I, I totally. I get where you're coming from. It's an atypical hiking experience for sure. Yeah. That being said, yeah, I'm not gonna write it off completely. Who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen? But... It's cool because you can do it in January and February. Like, there's yeah. no timing conflict. So that's a. I think a, a huge win there. That is true because, like, I feel like most through hikes you generally want to do during the summertime or at least you know spring or fall but yep. yeah you can do the florida trail right in the dead of winter so that's kind of yeah. convenient maybe i will do yeah. it someday yeah like december through february is a great time to hike it and there's not many other places you can comfortably hike you know without going through snow at that time of year yeah for sure at least in north america so i kind of want to transition a little bit away from the florida trail because this is what i'm about to bring up is something i really wanted to ask you about i kind of wish i had a uh, maybe brought it in a little bit earlier so we could have more time to talk about it, but that's okay. Going back to the Appalachian Trail, you hiked the entire Appalachian Trail with your fiance Jessica, otherwise known yeah. as Little Bear. And I just think I, I, I just think that's something that's really interesting because spending two thousand plus miles of hiking with a significant other definitely has to be like I I don't even know. Like it's it's interesting. Like that's crazy. I just feel like that must have like had an impact on your relationship or something like that. So anyways, so I got to ask you, first of all, I guess whose idea between the two of you was it to do the through hike together? Uh, it was definitely my idea to do the AT. And then uh, I kind of just said, you know, would, I just asked her if she would be interested in doing it. And uh, I don't really know why she said yes, but in the end I was able to, she, she said she would, she wanted to do it. And, uh, I think part of it was she was looking for like a, a nice break after school, doing something totally different than like being inside studying all day. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, it was my idea and I kind of had to, I didn't really have to convince her. I just kind of said, Hey, would you be interested in doing it? I mean, like I said, we went on those, those, the couple of five day hikes before that. And that was kind of like the test that was really like, right. okay, if this goes well, then like we can do this together. And so they both went really well. And so, yeah, she agreed to do the whole thing, which was, uh, I mean, it was, I was, I felt so lucky that um, she, agreed to do the whole thing and she actually stayed with me the whole time uh and you know because i was concerned that one of us would want to quit and then like what would we do about that 
and it was i just was i was so i was just so happy that she was there the whole time yeah so that was actually one of the questions i was going to ask you next is did you guys ever have a conversation beforehand or any sort of plan about if one of you wanted to get off the trail like what the other person was going to do like were you in it together were you going to quit together if that's what it came down to or do you think either you or her would have continued on if uh, the other partner decided to uh, get off the trail yeah so we did talk about it ahead of time um, and basically what we decided was if someone wanted to get off the other could continue hiking if they wanted to we weren't going to like it wasn't like we have to do this together or, right. you know, if one wants, because, you know, I honestly, I, I have to say the reason I kind of brought that up and we agreed on that, I was honestly kind of concerned that uh, she would quit the trail before, um, you know, but like earlier than, than I wanted to. And, you know, I just was thinking this wasn't the thing that she wanted to do. Like this was kind of something that I, you know, it was my idea the whole time. I've been wanting to do it for years. So I kind of thought that if it came down to the really tough part, like, you know, I would have maybe have the motivation to keep going where she wasn't, um, and the funny thing was it ended up never happening where she got off and then I had to keep going. And it, it did end up being the opposite for about five days, though. Uh, coming into Fontana Dam, I uh, tore a ligament in my toe and I my foot was totally swollen. I knew that I couldn't go through the Smokies like that. And she really wanted to go through it because we were with kind of a trail family at the time. And she wanted to stay up with them. And so she ended up going through alone. And it was just funny. I, I was like wrestling it. And I was like, this is the total opposite of what I had expected to happen. But um, yeah, so I did have to skip that 75 mile section, which was a bummer. But I rejoined her after that, after I rested my foot and it got better. And then we did the rest of the the rest of the trail the whole way together. If we had gotten to Maine and, and someone had gotten hurt, um, at that point, I kind of thought maybe I would have gotten off trail or if, if she had gotten hurt or something or she wanted to quit, I maybe would have gotten off trail because we were so close to the end and we had done like the whole thing together. I thought that, yeah. you know, I wouldn't want to do that last part, but I definitely was thinking like beforehand, like if she quit at mile 200, like I didn't want to have to go home and not do the rest of the 2000 miles together. So yeah, we, that's kind of the agreement we came upon ahead of time. Now we're going to get a little emotional here on trail tales today. <laughs> so All right. I was actually before the, before we started recording here, I was kind of brainstorming some questions to ask because you know, I'm just so on top of my shit. I wait until right before the episode to come up with the questions. But anyways, um, I actually asked one of my roommates. I was like, hey, look, you know, I'm about to interview one of my friends. And he hiked the AT the entire thing pretty much uh, with his fiance. So, like, I asked him, you know, what were what would be some questions that you could think of that you would be, like, kind of curious to hear about concerning that? And he asked, like, probably the most interesting question that I didn't even think of because I'm stupid. That question is... How, I mean, I guess you, you haven't had too much time since you got back from the Arizona trail, but how has, you know, spending four and a half months together in the woods, you know, hiking every single day, grinding for 2000 miles, how has that impacted your relationship um, since you've gotten back? Yeah, uh, I think, uh, I don't know, it hasn't, I haven't seen any huge manifestations yet, but I think it definitely, it definitely made us like come closer together, you know, we definitely... I mean, we, we had been dating for almost eight years at that point. So it wasn't like it was a, we got to know each other so much better or anything, but I think I definitely um, have a, a newfound respect for how much grit and determination she has. I really wasn't sure going into it if she would be able to handle it, but she really did. I think it also <laughs> helped us. Uh, I mean, it was, you better yeah, watch was, your I, words. <laughs> I know, I know it sounds terrible, but I'm just, that's, that's honestly how I felt. But uh, yeah, I think we definitely, um, I think we have probably, we're, I think we're probably can go with the flow a little more easily. Like we spent, you know, five, four and a half months or whatever, kind of just planning everything day to day. And so, you know, we're kind of back both looking for jobs and stuff like that and trying to figure out where we're going to move to and everything. I think we're kind of just less worried about planning out those details and like having everything planned out ahead of time. Like we're, I think we're both just much more comfortable with figuring things out as we go. And, uh, you know, I think, um, I don't know if it, we got any better at, like resolving conflicts or anything like that. Cause people would ask like, Oh, how, if you can handle that, you can definitely be together. Like it's gotta be so hard to like be out, you know, spending every single day and sharing a tent with each other. And, uh, and honestly, I think that it's being on trails a lot less stressful in general than real life. Like in real life, you have to argue about things like where are we going to live? Like how much money should we spend on this? You know, like all these like really, really like kind of in, intense questions that, but on trail, it's like, should we stay at that shelter or that shelter? <laughs> should, should we eat at the pizza place or the all-you-can-eat Asian buffet? You know, like how many days are we going to take to go from this town to that town? You know, it's like, should we take a zero or a two zeros? You know, like it's, it's honestly just 
it's a lot less stressful. So it really right, like right. Um, I, I wouldn't if I feel like if you can't handle like being on trail together and making those kind of decisions, like it's it's it could be a sign that it could be challenging, more challenging in real life. At least that was to us. That's kind of the way we saw it. Yeah, like you you play it down so much, but like I I, I don't know. I guess because you guys were together for so long beforehand, it's not like you had just been together for like you know, a couple years or a couple months or even met on the trail, which does happen occasionally from my understanding and my yeah, experience. Yeah, that, that was but, um, always surprising to see that. Yeah, that, that was always kind of funny. But um, I guess that definitely just the longevity of, of your relationship before you guys even set out to do this hike um, definitely had an impact. But like, I, I, I don't know if I ever told you guys this, but I, I, I think that's so awesome how, you know, you were both like just like so in it together and yeah, I never saw you guys arguing, you know, you always got along super well. And I mean, I feel like, I mean, again, you make it sound like so easy, but I feel like living together in the woods for that long would like bring out the worst or bring out any issues at all that exist in a relationship between the two people. So the fact yeah. that you guys did it pretty uh, smooth sailing is a, uh, is really cool. And I, I definitely admired that uh, when we were hiking together. Yeah, I think it, it definitely teaches you um, like patience with the other person because yeah, there's really nowhere to hide. Like if I have a meltdown or she has a meltdown, like you can't, it's kind of hard to avoid each other. So, I mean, I definitely got, uh, we, we, I think we both got better at being really patient and just saying like, okay, I'm just going to let them cool down for a bit. I'm going to hike maybe a quarter mile ahead for a couple hours or something like that. And uh, so it, it definitely helps you just kind of accept that you can't always be in the best mood because you have the emotional roller coaster you go through while hiking is like insane, as you know. And so yeah. just to kind of like and, and the good thing was we generally were one person was maybe freaking out where the other person would be calm. We rarely were both freaking out at the same time. So it was really good to have like one level headed decision maker while the other person is like having a meltdown. And so it was really good to have that balance there. Right, right. I guess one of the last things I want to ask you here is what advice would you have for other couples, whether they're, you know, engaged or not, um, or even they don't even, it doesn't even have to be a, like a romantic relationship, I guess, even if it's just two friends that are setting out to do a long hike together, what advice would you have for uh, groups of people like that on how to like get along or have it go um, as smoothly as it might if they were by themselves? Yeah. If it's, um, if it's not a significant other or someone you're like really, really close with, I would say probably carrying separate tents or shelters is probably a good idea. Like I, if I hiked it with like my brother, I wouldn't share that. I wouldn't have shared this tent with my brother, you know, like it, it would have, I, I would say you got to have like some personal space at the end of the day. I think that's a, a pretty big thing. Even if it's like your best friend, like it's probably best to just have separate shelters. And then you're also not like, you don't have to be stuck together. Like if someone is feeling better and they want to like go ahead for a day or something like that, you're a little more flexible if you're both, you know, kind of able to be sustained, like, you know, be self-sufficient on your own. But yeah, otherwise, I mean, just, uh, you know, I think it's, you have to be your, it, you know, when you're out there hiking, they, you, people always say hike your own hike. Um, and this is kind of the one case, which I think in general is a very good, like you always want to do that. You always want to, uh, you know, do things that, you know, whatever you feel best out there. But there are times when you're, if you're hiking with someone else, you're going to have to essentially break that rule. Um, and so that's something that if you have that expectation going in that, you're going to have to compromise pretty much all the time, not all the time, but you're going to have to compromise pretty frequently and yeah. on a daily basis, you know, and I'm sure you experienced that too. when you hiked with like, you know, with uh, all the, all the other guys, like you have to, you always have to be kind of willing to compromise and willing to not do, you know, maybe not go to the place you want to or stay at that one hostel in town. Like you have to just kind of go with the flow. And uh, as long as you're, if you know that going in, that kind of helps like having that mindset of like whatever is, you know, and, and also it's really good to be able to recognize when the other person or the other people you're hiking with, if they're having a really bad day, like you want to try to, you know, be as accommodating, as helpful as possible, uh, you know, with them and, and try to just, you know, help them get through it. Cause the thing is you're going to, that's going to be you like in a week or like in a couple of days. So right. um, it, it's good to just have as much empathy, empathy and, and sympathy as you can when you're hike, with your hiking partners. For sure. So yeah, we're looking, we're, probably about an hour in now once i edit out that little um mishap we had at the beginning there with the uh, yeah. the internet connection so um i think we're gonna try to wrap this up dude this went by really fast like i have like a bunch of questions that we didn't even get into i have a whole section on ultralight hiking gear that we didn't <laughs> even get to tap into so i think we're gonna have to do another episode sometime baker how's that sound yeah that sounds good to me. For sure. Maybe I can ask you uh, some more questions about the uh, Arizona Trail then because I'm definitely very curious about that. Um, so, yeah, maybe we'll have to do this again sometime. 
So uh, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Super cool. Um, before we sign off here, I do want to ask, what does the future for Baker look like as far as hiking? Do you have any, I mean, I know you probably don't have any like concrete plans to do another through hike anytime soon, but you know, are there any other trails you've been eyeing any other, uh, places you'd like to get to any other through hikes you'd like to do in the near future? Yeah, I definitely want to, uh, finish up the sections I missed on the AT, the Smokies. And I definitely want to finish the big cypress section uh, on the Florida trail. I want to finish up the Arizona. So I guess all the trails where I was skipping miles, I want to go back and, and finish those. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, little bear and I definitely have aspirations to hopefully do the other two big ones and, and, and make a triple crown out of it. Um, you know, we'll hopefully we'll, we'll see if that happens, but that's definitely kind of our, our long-term plan there. And then all the other little, there's so many other little trails um, in North America look interesting too, but those, that's kind of my, that's the rough plan for now. For sure, man. I do want to throw it out. Um, I don't remember if Flossie and I talked about it at all when we were uh, hiking with you, but we are planning on doing the Foothills Trail in South Carolina. Probably it's looking like the first week of May-ish. So if you're interested in doing that, you know, I will let you know, and it could be cool to have another person tag along. I think Indy might be potentially thinking about doing it as well. We haven't made any concrete plans, no flights booked or like a date set or any of that stuff yet, but looks like the beginning of May, we are going to be doing that 80-ish mile hike, five days or whatever. So if you're interested, you should uh, you should tag along. Jessica yeah. is more than welcome to come as well. That would be a blast. I will I'll mark it on the calendar. Hell yeah, man. Well, I really uh, appreciate you coming on. I guess uh, the last thing I should say is... Um, why don't you go ahead and plug some of your social media so people can follow you on your future hikes? Yeah, uh, I'm just at Bebocorny, which is B-B-O-K-O-R-N-E-Y, and that's on Instagram, and that's about all I got. Okay, cool, man. Everyone, go, all 60 of you, go toss him a follow. He, uh, <laughs> Baker, actually, this is another thing we didn't have a chance to talk about, but on his through hikes he would do a Instagram post with multiple pictures and a pretty long write-up of every single day on his hike. So that was really cool. I know I didn't really read your AT ones too much because I was like hiking with you. But um, yeah. after I got back when you were on the Arizona Trail, I read every single one. Like That was really cool to uh, follow along with you there. So everyone listening, definitely go give him a follow and check out his stuff on his future hikes. Cool. Thanks, Nar. This was a blast. Hell yeah, dude. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I think we're going to sign off now. So also thank you to everyone listening. I hope I wasn't too much of a intoxicated slurring piece of shit on this one. So <laughs> I think it was good. I definitely learned a lot about the Florida trail. So yeah, take it easy on your drive or your work or I don't, I don't even know. When else do you listen to podcast, Baker? Uh, mowing the lawn. Mowing if you the lawn. Get the, if you get the volume up high enough. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. Swimming, if you have underwater waterproof uh, headphones, great time as well. <laughs> the splashing of the water might be getting in the way of it, you know, but, you know, you, you make it work. <laughs> the possibilities to podcast listening are endless. I, I guess when can't you listen, really? That's the real question. It's true. It's true. When can't you listen? All right. We're going to sign off. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And, yeah, that's it. Peace. Bye. Bye.